What's with this band anyway? I don't get it, can you please explain? Wait, like, band's playing? Hello and welcome to Bandsplain. Um, this is usually a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists. Today, we are not doing that. Today, we are answering your burning questions about this show, about uh, my personal life, about producer Dylan's personal life. The only thing we're explaining today is ourselves. So goodbye, half the listenership. Um, enjoy whatever other podcast you switched over to. Um, the diehards that stay here, you're my people, you're my community. Producer Dylan, should we kick it off? Let's just, I just want to preface this by saying, if you did listen to the last listener mailbag, there has been a vibe shift, if you will, if you'll allow. Um, as that time I was violently hungover and this time it is 10 a.m. and I am extremely caffeinated. Yeah, I'm overly caffeinated too. And in the last one, I was like rushing to pick my dog up from the groomer and it was a big scramble. Chaotic. This time we actually listened to the questions ahead of time. Okay, you don't need to like inside, you know, to like have the sausage is made, babe. I'm going to cut that right out. I need them to think it's like off the cuff. Um, all right, let's fucking go. This question is from friend of the show, Beto. Hey there. Uh, love the podcast. Uh, my question is, do you guys plan on redoing some of your earlier podcasts that only got like an hour, like the Steely Dan or My Chemical Romance ones? I know in talking to producer Dylan, and when I saw you guys at the uh, Founds of Wayne Live, you spoke about how you had a different producer at the time. And I would just really love to see uh, the, the uh, early episodes get a little bit longer treatment. Anyways, thank you so much. Hope to hear a granddaddy podcast soon. And bye. Gorgeous question, Beto. Um, one we receive a lot. Now that we've been freed from the shackles of the oppressive normalcy, where people told us that nobody wants a podcast over an hour. Um, we are making our best work to date. I think we're making masterpieces um, in the four to five hour range. I don't, I don't know if we'll go back um, and redo the old ones. Maybe um, there's been a lot of uh, kerfuffle anger around uh, my Chemical Romance, I think specifically, and maybe Steely Dan. Uh, me personally, I'd love to go back and do David Matthews because as you know, I could do a smooth eight hours on David Matthews. Easy peasy. Crash. What do you think, Producer Dylan? Should we go back and do redo some of the old ones? I love Steely Dan, so I would love the four-hour treatment on Steely Dan, but it kind of feels like going back and redoing your old homework, you know? For me, it's literally going back. It literally is. <laughs> My old homework. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what I'm going to say is it's neither a yes or a no. Well, God's plan, you know, we'll see. The future will reveal itself. Next question. 
Next question. Um, the next question comes from Bill G. Hi, Yasi. Hi, producer Dylan. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. So I wanted to ask, after hearing these past couple episodes especially, who do you think is the Kevin Bacon of rock bands and why is it Kiss? Oh, interesting approach of ask question and answer it within asking of question. Male. <laughs> um, no, that's a good point. I do think... Kiss is definitely often the first rock band of guitar music that radicalizes many of our favorite um, indie rock bands. But I would I would say the Kevin Bacon is actually probably REM. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because REM was so early in terms of establishing indie rock you know, in a sort of a major way. I, and I think they, them and probably the Pixies. I would say are maybe more the Kevin Bacon than Kiss. True. I feel like you're right about the actual, like, what is it? Six degrees of separation or whatever thing. R.E.M. and Pixies make sense. I think Kiss is like, the I think didn't we say this in episode Kiss is like the Elvis of like the 80s like in any music memoir of any like 60s 70s artist it's always like and then I saw Elvis on the Ed Sullivan show and everything changed right right and I feel like a lot of those bands like the 80s and 90s bands we talk about they're like and then I got a Kiss record when I was nine yeah and then I knew I could rock bitch and Kiss fucks I love Kiss so much And Kiss Pinball is so fun. It's the best pinball. There you go, Bill. <laughs> Got a little additional additional information from Seek Bruce Allen. Um, next question. Hi, Yasi and Dylan. My name is CJ. I'm from South Dakota. My friends and I absolutely adore your show. I have two questions for you. One, I was wondering what uh, bands or artists specifically influence your personal style. And two, I was wondering what your guys' favorite album cover art is. And also, I wanted to tell you that I spent a good five minutes talking to my gynecologist about Counting Crows yesterday. So thank you for that. Love you guys. Bye. Absolutely fucking gorgeous. Way to stay on top of your health as well. First of all, yearly checkups at the gyno, extremely important. So important. Get your giant checked out, you guys. <laughs> Get your giant checked out by the gyno. It's really important to the 2% of female listenership that we have. We we urge you to please visit your gynecologist. Um, love to hear from a woman. Love to talk about fashion. People don't know two things about me. That A, I'm hot. And I'm imprisoned behind this audio format and be that I have amazing style. <laughs> More people need to know about this. Don't you agree, producer Dylan? Yeah. <laughs> yes, Yossi. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, do you want to go first? Um, yeah. I was like thinking about this one. Um, I feel like the obvious is just like the 70s ladies, like Emmy Lou Harris. Linda Rodenstadt. Come right back to blue by That's kind of my like default dressing style. But in the pandemic, I just bought some men's jeans and a lot of band shirts. So now I just kind of dress like that guy. That guy? <laughs> Generic 90s guy. 
Sure. It's exactly what I'm wearing right now. Sure. Okay. I think my answer depends like on how femme I'm trying to be on any given day, um, which um, does take an exorbitant amount of effort for me. Um, But if I'm trying to be like high femme, it's definitely probably PJ Harvey. That's like a huge influence, I think, on um, my personal style. Early, early PJ Harvey. Like obviously she's had like many eras of style. I'm not um, you know, full blue eyeshadow and the false lashes and thing, but like early PJ Harvey. I love the blue eyeshadow though. I do too. I love the fucking blue eye, like that and Christina Ricci and Buffalo 66, like the fucking blue eyeshadow. That's my favorite shit. I can pull off a great blue eyeshadow. I won't lie to you guys. I've been trying to find, honestly, drop me a line if anyone has found the perfect baby blue. The best one was Sephora made a stick that they discontinued. I know. I've been looking I for that. I have two thing. left. But honestly, probably Stephen Malkmus. I've dressed exactly the same um, since I was 14 years old. Um, not a lot has changed. There was like a brief, maybe 10 year period that we don't discuss um, in which there was like a lot of like, how do I say? Like a rocket dog situation was happening, um, kind of morphed into a frayed diesel jeans, low rise, uh, Gucci bucket hat. Again, you've heard me talk about this. We don't need to discuss, but really I just dressed the same as I've dressed since I was 14 years old, which is a classic Levi's, a little t-shirt, some Adidas, call it a day. Oh, what about um, the second part of the question? I just remembered to annex on the style question. Mm -hmm. On my Explore page, for some reason, like pictures of Britney Spears come up all the time. And I've been having this realization that like being so obsessed with Britney Spears as like a seven or eight year old has completely imprinted itself on my approach to like hair and makeup and dressing. Um, And I honestly think just completely non-consensually Britney Spears is like the biggest influence on my life and then I got that big red puffy coat and that's very like oops I did it again sure I mean it was that was a little more latex type but yeah I see what you're saying shiny red color yeah um that did not happen to me as I was already like a full fleshed out adult when Britney Spears had the scene yeah and also you know what let's not forget Anthony Kiedis and his extreme impact on my personal style. I am what I am. Most don't give a damn. The King. All of the Chili Peppers, really, but a real, a real funky vibe. That no shirt lifestyle really influenced your approach? It's just like a beautiful flat ironed hair, although his is not flat ironed. Like a silky, silky locks with like a band t-shirt and perhaps a combat boot. There was, there's a lot of that I think going on. Okay. Album covers. Oh, album covers. Um, Uh, This is like a, this is a question that kind of shows how much like digital music has eroded my brain. Like nothing came to mind. (laughs) Oh, really? I have a couple. Um, um, definitely PJ Harvey dry, which is like so sick. It's just like a up close photo, like kind of sepia toned of like lit her lips pressed against 
<laughs> the lens and then rid of me, which is like, she's in a bathtub flipping her hair and it's black and white. And like, those are two of my all time favorite album covers. Honestly, also to bring you my love, Peter yeah. Harvey is really good where she's like Ophelia in the red dress, like laying dead in the water. To bring you my love. Um, I just thought of X's Wild Gift. I love that album cover. Steel chains, a Great album cover. I mean, fucking replacements let it be, classic, sitting on the roof. Like they looked so fucking cool. Oh, Suicide. I loved the Suicide self-titled album cover. Sickest logo. Totally. I mean, honestly, any Cramps album. They have the best cover art. The Germs album is like Mm -hmm. so iconic. There's so many. I mean, I could, but B- PJ Harvey probably makes my favorite ones because, in terms of ones that feature the artist, I find hers like just like really cool images that I've, are like kind of unforgettable. Next question is from a person who is not related to me but has the same last name as me. Shout out Charlie Salek. Let's hear it. Hey Yasi, producer Dylan, band Splain Family. If your life were a movie, what album? or band catalog would be the soundtrack for your life and if you want to take it a different direction what is your favorite movie soundtrack of the show thank you shout out to chuck Salik once again not related to me for um recording his question while um crumpling up wrapping paper um directly next to the speaker <laughs> of the phone. We love that for ourselves. Merry Christmas, Charlie. Just like a quick sidebar, I will say I know for a fact that I'm not related to Chuck Solik because Solik is not a real last name. My grandfather's passport was mistranslated um mm. when he was going from one Middle Eastern country to another. I think it was like going to Libya or going, you know, I don't know. Um so we're the only sect of our family that has this last name because it's just oh. a fake mistranslation. Is it like a misspelling or like a totally different name? Uh, no, yeah, they miss. I think it was going from like Arabic to or Farsi to Arabic. I'm not really, again, I don't really know the details, but when they were like copying it over, I mean, this is like in like 1918 or 1920 or something. And then it just became permanent because it's like a government document. Wow. Oh. So we have like a whole sect of the family that is has the real last name, but it's not us. So sorry, Chuck, oh. we are not related. What music soundtracks your life? For me, Benny Hill theme song, I think. I'm just kidding. Does that not land for you too young for Benny Hill? Yeah, I gotta Google that. Okay, clown car, why don't you take it away while I think about it? This <laughs> is... <laughs> I'm glad I Googled it. That's funny. I don't know what it is, but the pictures are funny. <laughs> okay. Um, I think like for better, or for worse, probably just because I'm like a 29-year-old single woman in Los Angeles, Exile and Guyville really resonates as true to life. That I didn't think this would happen again with or 
so does Court and Spark. Those are like two of my all-time, all-times. Dancing up a river in the dark, looking for a woman to court. And then it was which movie soundtracks do we love, right? Mm-hmm. Bro. Clueless soundtrack. Will the kids in America? Will the kids in America? Interesting. Like, absolute foundational formative. Um, obviously, I love the single soundtrack for, like, Seattle-based reasons. And it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are both great soundtracks. Shout out. Friend of the pod, Rob Cavallo, I believe, produced the Clueless soundtrack. Absolute king. I was like, that's cool. You did all these iconic albums, but... Harkening back to the gynecologist, um, there is one of the best ever uh, cover songs on the Clueless soundtrack, The Ghost in You, covered by uh, Counting Crows. I believe it's a psychedelic first song. Ghost in you, she Fucking perfect. The Muffs were the kids in America. Gorgeous. Um, also single soundtrack. Fucking slaps. Screaming trees on there. Um, a bit of citizen dick. Touch me, I'm dick. Hilarious. Love it. Um, I don't know. There's too many for me. The thing about soundtracks, and I've talked at length about this on the show is that like for a a good 15 year period, they were like truly like foundational discovery platforms for people with bands and stuff. Um, And there would be songs on those albums that didn't exist anywhere else. I mean, you've heard me say it once, I'll say it again. Judgment Night soundtrack where they fucking teamed up a rocker and a rapper for every track. Slaps. Oh my God, the Stealing Beauty soundtrack is really good. That's kind of a random one, but. I can hurt you. You can hurt me. If you can listen to it, it's so good. Marie Antoinette soundtrack. I don't think I ever listened to that. Oh my God. That was like a peak, like Dylan's in middle school, 2000s. The Strokes are on it. The Cure, Susie and the Banshees. I was like, that's so cool. I don't think I've ever seen the movie. No way. Reality Bites. Mm-hmm. Goddamn gorgeous, beautiful soundtrack. Empire Records. Oh, yeah. Goddamn gorgeous, beautiful soundtrack. Oh, High Fidelity. Great soundtrack. Gross Point Blank. Amazing soundtrack. Speaking of John Cusack films. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, soundtrack of my life. I really can't think of anything. Maybe PJ Harvey. Again, That's she's my fave. And just got an album for everything, for every mood. Next question. Next question. From... Christopher. Hi, Yasi and producer Dylan. I was wondering if there are any bands that just seem like too big of an undertaking that might have come up in pitch meetings, but you just decided would be too much, like maybe the Beatles. I wonder if there are any bands that are too big for bands playing. Thanks. Bro, we are not doing the Beatles. Most covered band. Never say never band. In history. <laughs> Get get out the gorgeous documentary now about the, the Beatles. Beatles documentary. I think it's my favorite quote that's happened on the show. I'll, listen, I'll watch Get Out the documentary about the Beatles. I don't necessarily think anything is too big 
or too big of an undertaking. I think it's just a matter of like figuring out how to frame it in our unique and special way. I think maybe a more like concrete answer to that is probably something like Guided by Voices, <laughs> which yeah, we know you guys want it. We know. Okay. We're aware. And it would be but, cool. but And yes, it will be cool. But they have 450 albums. And we're just in our pitch meetings, maybe you'll have to think about us having pitch meetings around like a, you know, one of those like Putin-esque um, 70 foot conference tables. I'm at one end, producer Dylan at the other. Yeah. We're just trying to figure out the best way to tackle that because as much as we love, we love to go long on this show. I'm not sure people need like a 24 hour marathon podcast about Guided by Voices. So yeah, there's some stuff that we have to think about how to do no holds barred, babe. Nothing's off the table. I kind of feel like some things are off the table. <laughs> well, guess what? It's not up to you. <laughs> Next question. You're going to watch Get Back and we're going to do three weeks on the Dude, Beatles. Dude, I would love to watch Get Back. I just like, it's so long. I mean, I think I have to do it just to like get out get out um <laughs> like the ex-boyfriend splainership out of my mind of Beatles because that's a fave for ex-boyfriends to be like no okay what you don't understand is oh, like that's awful you know that's a classic classic <laughs> gorgeous okay next question from Colin hi this question is for Yasi. I recently moved into a management role with my company, so I wanted to get your advice on how to best deal with an insubordinate subordinate uh, like producer Dylan. Thank you so much. Okay, amazing question. Amazing question. Because I'll tell you what, it's hard. It's tough. Being a mentally ill girl boss is not fucking easy. So many challenges come with it, mainly producer Dylan's insubordination. Honestly, I, I don't have any advice from you. I've fired her many times. She keeps showing up back to work. <laughs> she doesn't respond to my empty threats. I don't know. He said this question was for Yossi, so I have no comment. Yeah, well, it's, it's, not, it's not for you. <laughs> this question is for me. Again, Producer Dylan, he literally said this question is for Yossi. I don't have any advice. I'm so sorry. Producer Dylan is the bane of my existence and... I haven't figured out a way to um, break her spirit yet. I will. <laughs> trust trust me, I will. I get closer every day. Every day I see her put her, her head in her hands and sighs deeper and deeper. And at some point I will break her spirit. So la, 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 la. Watch, this, watch this space. Okay, next question. Daniel. Hi, Yasi. My name is Daniel. And my question is... Do you hope the artists that you've bandsplained listen to the podcast or would you prefer that your show exist in its own world just for fans and not artists? Also a related question, have any of the bandsplained artists ever reached out to you with feedback or reactions to their episodes and would you want them to in the future? Also Yasi Babe, please consider this my formal application to be a fan for the No Doubt Bandsplained episode. Daniel, babe, you're hired. That would be a fun one. That would be a fun one for No Doubt. We'll do No Doubt. No, I do not wish that the artists <laughs> listen to the episodes. I frankly do not wish anybody listens to the episodes, but definitely not the artists because that gives me wild anxiety. I think some artists have. <laughs> um, so. 
there's that. Um, I don't want to break their anonymity by speaking to uh, the feedback we've gotten, but um, no one has been mad so far. So that's good. Dude, if I was in a band and someone took the four hours to talk about my band in exhaustive detail, baseline, I would feel appreciated. Sure. Even if you don't love the content. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, some bands have listened. I think we can, I know like at least one member of the Gin Blossoms listened. And one member of Jawbreaker. I can't think of any other ones that I know for sure listened. Oh, Fishbone. I believe they listened. Daniel Babe has a second question. Hi, Yasi. I would like to know how many weeks or months in advance do you plan, research, and record each episode before they're released? Also, I'd like to know, do you have a favorite book or documentary that you found while researching for Bandsplane? Great question, babe. Daniel, again. I wish I had many weeks and months um, in between episodes to start researching, but I, I do not have the luxury of that time. So it's roughly 10 days max if I work on the weekends. Sometimes we give ourselves somehow a little bit longer by doing something like a meal listener mailbag episode. Um, but yeah, it's usually max two weeks. I guess favorite, I don't know, all, always all-time favorite music documentary is some kind of monster, the Metallica documentary. Nothing will um, eclipse that. Uh, it is the best thing in the entire world. Some kind of monster. I don't think I have like a specific book or documentary I've discovered while researching that is my favorite. But I will say I love discovering like YouTube is just full of old like interviews from like 120 minutes and things that are like such a relic of a different time um, that are like so, so fun to watch because it's just like you can't imagine a time where this was on TV. RIP that time. Uh, rest in peace. I still live there. And again, all-time favorite book, which was not discovered, uh, is Route 666, The Road to Nirvana by Gene Arnold. Those are the two that we always recommend. Oh, The Pavement Documentary by Lance Bangs is really good, if you can find it. Next question is from Emily. Hi, Alfie and producer Dylan. My name is Emily Balthrack. I've been a listener for about a year or so. Uh, I actually just wanted to know what band names, not necessarily bands themselves, do you think are wildly underrated? Uh, my consistent favorite has been the Yeasty Girls from that were on Lookout Records, based out of Berkeley. Um, just curious if you have any in your head floating about. Thank you. Strong gynecological theme running through this episode, I must say. Bro, her audio quality gives me car talk vibes. I love it. Kertak. Click and clack, baby. Click and fucking clack. Well, in keeping with the gynecological theme, I have to say <laughs> some of my favorites are um, vagina referential band names, like Hole. The Slits. Oh, I'm the for the 
I really like the band name Suburban Lawns. Yeah. I just think it's a really cool, it's a really cool band name. Your eyes are not yet been known to me, for I have not your eyes. This one's tough. Uh, it is tough. It's like, it's like when you say a word over and over and over again and like you forget, you like lose its meaning or it's like association. I feel like a lot of band names have become that for me where like I no longer think about how clever or what the word means because I just associate the word with the band. Yeah. Does that happen to you? Totally. I think adolescence is a really cool Adolescence is cool. It's cooler because there's no the for some reason. Yeah. Sex doesn't burn if the Roman's not a chair. And not a swing, a booze, and not a Roman, not a bear. Oh, butthole surfers. Butthole surfers. For totally. sure. I can taste you on my lips and smell you in my clothes. All time uh, top amazing. The Jesus Lizard is a fucking amazing band name. That band Angel Dust, I think that's a really cool band name. (laughs) Just like a PCP reference. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a PCP reference and just like when you take away the drug meaning dust from an angel if I could ever be so lucky (laughs) they're sprinkling it down mannequin pussy will remain forever a favorite band name for me because it's very visual and they had the balls to put the word pussy in their band name which go off not the first in a long line pussy galore um and there's many others the queers is a great band name there's too many. There's too many good band names. Television is an incredible band yeah, name. Yeah, it's a cool band name. I see. I see no Although it's like there's so many band names that are cool, but just totally ungoogleable. <laughs> yeah, but they invented them pre-internet, babe. Pre-Google. There was not on the mind. The The, for example. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ungoogleable. X. The fact that Great there are two different X's. Band. Yeah. Oh, the Miracle Legion. I love that band name. And I like that really? band a lot. Yeah. To me, that's giving Warp Tour. Really? It's all for the Miracle I, Legion? I'm like, oh, I love miracles. <laughs> magnets. How do In they a work? legion? Magnets. That suggests. Yeah. How do, how do I'm work? really on some magnets. How do they work? But this it is was un- a unrelated. good question. If... I had a band that was a Warp Tour emo band. I would call it Corner of Solace. <laughs> That's all. That's funny. Um, okay, cool. I'll read an email question. Dear Bandsplain, my friend recently advised me to open my mind when it comes to dating and not screen people based on their music taste. Mind you, she was once married to a member of a seminal hardcore band and only seems to date dudes who work in tattoo shops or fix motorcycles with some cool music interests. So it's a little hypocritical of her, but whatevs. I'll say. So my question for you is, would you date someone with shitty music taste? How low would you go? What bands, other than overtly racist, sexist, homophobic ones, are your deal breakers based on taste? Sincerely, Brittany. There's like a dividing line in this question because the question is about musical taste. Mm -hmm. Um... But there's a suggestion about dating musicians in here because she invokes her friend who was married to a, quote, seminal hardcore musician. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know if the question is, would you date someone whose music you don't like? Although I think that's like a third layer to that question. Yeah. Since it's really about taste. I don't know. I, um, you know, as much as I have tried to shake it, um, I am, you know, a disciple of the school of the high fidelity uh, ethos of um, you are what you like, you know? Yeah. I it's mean, it's not about, no, I think what is the quote? It's like, it's not about what you're like. It's about what you like. I would, I would, uh, say that it's about both obviously. Um, but it is, um, sort of difficult for me to overcome that only because I think like it says a lot about you, like what you're like does sort of determine what you like, you know, it's like very connected. Um, that being said, as someone who um, you know, has broad music taste that not everyone agrees with. <laughs> Please accept me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't Please know if it's it. that important, but and again, like this is a hard question because it depends how important music is in your life, right? Like obviously for people like me and producer Dylan, who's most of our waking hours are dedicated to this because and it's have job. been for like 20 years. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like it's going to matter more. And then there's people who are just like, I like the music on the radio, you know, whatever. And they are, don't care. Yeah. I mean, not to get all like MySpace bio about it, but it's in a very tactical way. Music kind of is my life. <laughs> it's like <laughs> my job, the thing I like, my entire social life for the entirety of me ever having a social life. We probably need to work on that for you, to be honest. Literally music is my life. I don't know if we answered your question. What bands are your deal breakers? Do you have specific oh. bands that you have for deal breakers? I mean, okay, honestly, the answer is no, because you're going to live with this person and you're like, what do you want to listen to when you wake up on Saturday morning for the rest of your life? The Beatles. <laughs> I love the Beatles. Do you want to listen to the Beatles every Saturday morning for the rest of your life? I mean, I kind of did for like 10 years of my childhood. Hmm. Hmm. Not me. Every Saturday morning I wake up and I listen to bands playing. <laughs> don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> I, I mean, I literally don't. I'd rather die. I'd literally rather die. Like if that was like the choice between death or every Saturday morning for six hours, you have to listen to bands playing. I would choose death. <laughs> Maybe we should move on to the next question. Um, okay. Hope we helped you, Brittany. Uh, Next question. Oh, Jessica. Hi, it's your friend Jessica Hopper. I was wondering, do you think that the growing length of Bandsplain episodes is like a universe expanding and will at some point it start to contract when it hits its limit? What's its limit? What's a band that you think could, could have an eight-hour episode? Please let me know. I am curious. Shout out Jessica Hopper, friend of the show, spiritual guide. Hello, guide. Former guest, um, future guest. Listen, I'm not mad. I'll I'll do a fucking 24-hour in-person, let's come sit and listen to Guided by Voices for a day. Do you remember when MTV did those 24-hour takeovers? No. There was that one, Did like Courtney Love did one and like, all those crazy bands stopped by. I like you. There were some that were on like, I think MTV too. 
when I was that younger. That sounds like an MTV2 situation. But I think there was, bro, okay. Courtney Love MTV 24 hour. I swear to God. Uh, yeah, 24 Hours of Love was a special programming stunt that aired live on MTV2 starting on September 21st, 2002. The official premise of the show was that rock star Courtney Love would do a live broadcast for 24 hours in a row and she would be in full control of the programming on MTV2 for those hours. That was like, I watched that as a kid. I, I remember watching. I don't remember, but that sounds really cool. I hope we can, maybe we can find it. <laughs> and I, I just had it on the TV for 24 hours and would like set my alarm and wake up. And I was like, God, this rocks. Honestly, like maybe we should do like a telethon. <laughs> we should do a telethon. I think it would be kind of cool. Like I, maybe that's the only way we do Guided by Voices is like live 24 hours. <laughs> you would have to like expense MDMA. <laughs> 42 Diet Cokes for me from the from the 7-Eleven fountain Diet Coke situation. And just like, let's get it. That's my answer to your question. I, w- I would keep going longer. Producer Dylan's the one that's always trying to fucking rain on my goddamn parade. <laughs> We've already trying done to make an it shorter. episode. And Metallica I'm just like, was eight hours. let me be free. <laughs> Why are you <laughs> imprisoning my creativity? That's like line item number one on my job description. Be sure to imprison Yossi's creativity on a daily basis. You can't keep me down. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you, Jessica Hopper. Next question is from Jules. Jules. Hi, Yossi and producer Dylan. Uh, my name is Jules. I'm from Napa, California. Uh, first of all, I just want to say I love Brianne Splain. Um, as a younger Gen Xer, uh, some would say passing elder millennial. Um, you reaffirm my beliefs that 90s music is some of the best music of all time. Uh, just some fun questions for you. Um, if you had to play Fuck, Mary Kill with any historical band members, alive or dead, who would you choose? And then also if you were stuck on a deserted island for the rest of your life, what three albums would you take with you? Thank you, ladies. Jules, babe, I love you, but that's not how fuck Mary Kill works. <laughs> like, if you could murder anyone, if you this could sleep with anyone in the world. <laughs> to- love you, but I mean, I think it's I've made clear which band members I'd like to fuck and or marry. Um, abundantly clear in the episodes if you're paying close enough attention. And I don't believe in murder. Ethically. <laughs> um, so we'll just move on to if you were stuck on a desert island, what three albums would you take with you? Okay. This one was really hard. It was really hard. I don't do well with favorites and, and limitations. As you can see, producer Dylan constantly trying to limit me and I break free, break every time. Um, but I think I would take Slanted and Enchanted, Pavement, um, PJ Harvey's Dry and The Replacements Let It Be because I think those are maybe my three favorite artists and of their discogs, those are my three favorite albums. So I think I could get a lot of mileage out of those three albums. My criteria for this question was like, what albums come on where if I'm not ready to hear them, I do hear them and I'm like, oh, I don't want to switch that. Even if that's not what I thought I wanted to hear right now. Okay. So those albums are Replacements, Tim. Interesting. Yeah, Tim's my favorite. and. Lucinda Williams, either the self-titled or Car Wheels. I'm probably leaning towards Car Wheels. Car Wheels on a 
And it's like a toss up between Judy Sill, Heart Food, or Jody Mitchell, Court and Spark. That's cheating. Okay. So, oh, fuck. The point of this is to make hard decisions. Oh, Jesus Christ. Probably, probably Judy Sill. Okay. One of my favorites ever. I feel like this question really, it, it begs the question, what do you want to feel while you're Dude, alone exactly. and abandoned on an island, which is like the sweet release of death? I don't know. I'm not sure I'm going to be listening to music. I'm going to be trying to like spear a fish. <laughs> Thinking of way out. Or make coconuts rub together to create a fire. Yeah. Coconut. I would die sticks. immediately. I have no outdoor skills. Not, not a one, not a single one. I've, I don't camp. I don't literally would pass away immediately. I would just walk into the ocean with rocks in my pockets <laughs> with the albums that I took in my pockets <laughs> to weigh me down, um, right down to the ground ocean floor where I belong. Next question. From Kanako. Hi, Yasi and producer Dylan. I'm Kanako and I'm 15 from Australia. And I've been listening to Bandsplain for the past few months and I've really been getting into it because 99% of the time I have no idea who the band or the artist is. So it's a great way as a Zoomer to find out more about the alternative music scene. Um, as for American bands, I know you've done, covered a lot of American bands and I'm wondering if you cover like um, any international rock bands or artists, um, if you know them or I guess if they were popular um, or relevant at the time. But I'd be really interested to see um, Australian bands covered, obviously where I live, and um, or Japanese rock bands. I know some of them have been really influential, like Shonen Knife, and because um, they toured with Nirvana. So um, I'd really like to find out more, and can't wait to hear more episodes. First of all, n- and no offense to our um, myriad Gen X male listeners, but I love you the most. Yeah, it's so cool. Teen women who listen to this so show. Cool. <laughs> you are in the minority and I am obsessed with you and please never leave us. Um, also, I love the way she said Nirvana. Um, Nirvana. No, Nirvana. No. Um, are we xenophobic is the question. Oh my God. <laughs> and the answer way is... Way to take it personally. <laughs> no, no, no. Um Point taken. And honestly, I think we definitely have plans to do some Australian bands are on the docket. I would love to do Shonen Knife. Yes, Shonen Knife would be so fun. And Chiba Mato. The Boredoms, I think, would be eventually a really cool but harrowing episode to do. I would love to do go-betweens. That's like, I think a lot of people's like quietly one of their favorite bands. Totally. I mean, I think that would be very cool. They also have a crazy kind of like Fleetwood Mac love triangle, like maybe not a love triangle, but like heightened 
intra-band romance um, sort of tension. They have a cool yeah, story. Totally. I mean, there's an entire like um, flying, Dude, nun flying nun records like scene, the clean. He's a I mean, there's tons of bands that were Flying Nun on Flying Nun or Flying Nun adjacent um, that I would love to do. So, oh, and like in the Lemonheads episode, like there's so many cool Australian totally. 90s bands, like Falling Joys. And Hummingbirds. And Smudge. Totally. Australia's always had really cool indie rock music. And I feel like that is a place like I have friends too that have like toured in Australia and kind of had that similar Dando experience where they're like dim, revitalized by the indie rock energy. Producer Dylan, you have friends and bands. Music is your life. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Miss I date musicians every episode. <laughs> I'm simply <laughs> Stating facts are to all, contextualize these are my, all mental, my mental illness. <laughs> exactly. I'm simply self-owning so that people understand why this I'm like this. an autonomous self-owned zone. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Next question. Oh, this one was your intern, your former intern. Klaus. Come through, Klaus. That's right. He does have three questions. First question from Yossi's former intern, Klaus. Former man turn, as I used to call him. Uh, Hey, Yahtzee, this is Klaus. Um, This question has been designed for you, but anyone take a crack at it. Fuck, Mary kill Steve Malkmus, um, Paul Westerberg, or David Matthews? Okay, that is how you play Fuck, Mary kill. That is how you play. So good on you, Klaus. I feel like this is incriminating. to answer i mean i'll just do it okay i'm just gonna do it this one is clear as fucking day to me oh i mean yeah it's that's why this was, question was not designed for you producer it's too easy for you to answer everyone knows how i feel about those press photos of stephen malcolmus from a few years ago with the bolo tie i mean i hate to say this i hate to do this but i think i would fuck malcolmus Mary David Matthews, because what a vibe for the rest of my life. Gorgeous vibe, plays the guitar every night. We hear a little um, crash into me, perhaps a satellite. Satellite of my eye. I am speechless. <laughs> and we have to kill Paul Westerberg. Oh my God, I'm crying. <laughs> this is the most fucked up thing I've ever heard. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Once I heard that rumor that Lucinda Williams and Paul Westerberg had a fling, it really shone a new light of possibility. For you personally, because No, like, like in the I mythology. <laughs> in the in the grander right. mythology. Next Klaus question. You know what? I take it back. I'll re-answer this question. I'm marrying all of them. And we're gonna live in a a quadruple on a compound and it's going to be gorgeous. What's it called? Um, what are the societies when, <laughs> when women have multiple husbands, that's what I'm going to establish with these men. A, uh, ma- matra, 
matriarchal, we're going to have a matriarchal home in which I am the main wife and these are my three husbands. It's called polyandry, marriage of a woman to two or more men at the same time. That's right. And as you you guys know, I don't believe in polyamory um, because it's unseemly, but I will make an exception to marry these three men. Way to be diplomatic. And then we'll start a band together, a family band. (laughs) 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 And we'll tour tour the world. Oh, that's so twisted. Next question, please. Next question. Hello, Yassi and Bandsplain crew. Um, How come every time my life seems to be going all right and I have a little bit of extra money, my car breaks down? Thanks. Listen, we cannot as mere mortals, understand God's plan. And what you need to do is put your trust and faith in the universe that some there's a reason that your car needs to break down. Perhaps, I won't even speculate on it, and it's not my place, but I think you need to take a cold, hard look at where your faith lies. Klaus. I think nothing happens for a reason, but maybe your car needs to break down so that you can break through. That's a reason, babe. So go ahead and contradict yourself. It's a suggestion. Next Next question. question. (laughs) Hey, Yasi, what is your favorite song to play on guitar lately? And uh, does producer Dylan play an instrument? Have you ever considered starting a band together? What is Klaus listening to in the background? I must know. It sounds like he's like working at a coffee shop. Yeah, or or it's like Thin Lizzy or something. No, that's not what Thin Lizzy sounds like. In my mind, that's what Thin Lizzy sounds Yossi like. Yossi does not like Thin Lizzy. I don't dislike Thin Lizzy. I, I love Thin Lizzy. Blind spot. Anyways, okay, Klaus. So to answer your question, I've been playing my own compositions. Wow, she's doing it. They're not good and they're not fully formed songs. <laughs> at all but that's what we've been doing I decided to bypass the part where I learn other songs as I'm really bad at it the only song that I could play was um what's up by four non blondes yeah with any level of dexterity and like many who came before me I'm using my limitations to uh shape my creative body of work um, producer Dylan does play guitar and I think she's better at it than me. Um, and no, I will not start a band with her as I spend, I think, an inordinate amount of time yeah. with her as is. <laughs> as if you'll refer back to the last question, I will be starting my family band with my three husbands, Stephen Malcolmus, Paul Westerberg, and David Matthews. If it gives anyone any helpful insight into who I was as a teenager, because I think a lot of people wonder that, uh, mm-hmm. I took guitar lessons in high school, but my guitar teacher, as much as he liked me, fired me because all I did was talk about music the whole time. And I never practiced and never um, like actually played in the lesson. We just chatted. So here I am. Oh, interesting that your work ethic has not changed since you were a teen. I'd love to call up that guitar teacher and have a little kiki with him. Oh, we connected on LinkedIn recently. Okay. Next question. Thanks, Klaus, for chiming in. This question from Lauren. So I feel like Yasi is effortlessly cool, even though she tells us that she's cringe. And my gut reaction or feeling is that producer Dylan is actually even cooler than Yasi. 
So my question for you two cool ladies is, how does one stay cool as one gets older? I feel like I used to be cool. I used to be so fucking cool. And now I am a 50-something-year-old woman who listens to Wilco. Please help me. Lauren, do you care if I live or die? <laughs> do you have <laughs> I think we've given producer Dylan her new ringtone. Like, I think she's going to chop that up and, like, play it on the phone as it rings every time in her life or, like, whatever she can do. Is Lauren to trying that. to get me fired? Producer Dylan, this does not upset me. <laughs> I think you're wildly overestimating my investment in this particular uh, judgment call. I will say in relation to cool and cringe, it is much easier to be perceived as cooler when you're quieter and uh, less hurt. <laughs> and I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. I think being cringe is cool, uh, Lauren. I think you sound cool. I don't even think cool is a real thing. I think the coolest thing possible is to just lean fully into your authenticity. You want to fucking blast uh, Wilco albums morning, noon, and night? Then fucking do it, babe. That's That's who you are. Do I wake up sometimes and put on blues travel or run around? And by sometimes, I mean almost every morning. Absolutely. Does that make me uncool? No, it makes me really fucking cool. I like Wilco. I've liked Wilco since I was like too young to like Wilco. And you said I was cool. Also, I think you should always go to the show that keeps you cool. Always go to the show. If you see the show and you're like, oh, I'm too tired, just go anyway. Because you never know when it's going to be the last chance to see them. And seeing music keeps you feeling vital. Even if your back hurts, you'll feel vital in a different part of your psyche. Yeah, I agree with that. Invest in hokas. My dad wears hokas. They're very cool. Yeah, they're super cool. Um, all right. Lauren, again, to us, you're cool. Next question. All right. Our next question is from Marissa. Hi, Yossi and Dylan. My name is Marissa. I am a proud 24-year-old listener of Bandsplain. And my question for you is whether you have any book or podcast recommendations for listeners of Bandsplain. I know Yossi is always talking about Route 666, The Road to Nirvana. Um, if you have anything else like that, I'd love to hear it. Thanks so much. I just dissociated. What was the question? First of all, 24-year-old listener. That's cool. That's um, Gen Z, right? Yeah, that's Gen Z. That's like old, elder Gen Z. And then uh, are there any podcast or book recommendations for fans of Bandsplain? Oh, well, number one podcast recommendation is always 60 songs that explain the 90s because... Spiritually aligned. Spiritually aligned. That's our podcast best friend, Bobby Harville's Rob Harville. Shout out. I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> Perhaps producer Dylan has a podcast Dude, recommendation. It's like, yeah, how much podcast can you take after podcasting all week? I did. I have been listening to that True Anon mini series about um, shout out Brace John Vanderslice's Tiny Telephone Studio, um, which so far has been great. I think there's like a lot of interesting sort of like autopsy work in terms of like what happened to. DIY in music and the underground and how that was like a special time. I miss it. It's brought up a lot of feelings. Good recommendation. Yeah. Um, books. 
Our Band Could Be Your Life is a great book Mm -hmm. that I think would be relevant to people who are interested in a lot of the music covered on this here pod. Dude, I started reading Califa Sene's book, Major Labels. Is it good? Yeah, it's cool. Mm -hmm. It's like a really helpful overview of kind of like the infrastructure of what what's made various genres a genre. I think obviously um, Jessica Hopper's book. The first collection of criticism by a living female rock critic. Exactly. Yeah. I think that is um, a fantastic book of essays that people who listen to this show would probably very much enjoy. Um, Greil Marcus's book, Mystery Train. A whore just like the rest, the music writings of Richard Meltzer. Um, that's a great book. Um, obviously, we've said it uh, once and I'll say it again. Route 666, The Road to Nirvana by Gina Arnold. Yeah, I, those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. I loved the the Sticky Fingers book about the history of Rolling Stone and Jan Wenner. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was a really entertaining read that gives like a lot of insight. Yeah, Perfect Sound Forever, which is the book about pavement. Um, I think it's out of print, but you can probably find a used copy. That book is really good. There's a really good book about um, Phil Spector <laughs> that I read. That book was really good. Um, cannot tell you the name of it and do not remember because I don't have my shelf here in front of me. Okay. We love books. We love books. We're a literary pod. Okay. Next question. From Neha. Hi, Yasi and producer Dylan. My name is Neha. I am one of your Gen Z listeners. My question is about how you guys think your astrological signs have influenced your music tastes over the years, as well as the production of Bandsplain, you know, working with, you know, your team and interviewing all the people that you interview for their takes. I just want to know how you think your signs have influenced that process. I also have a request. I humbly beg you to make a Third Eye Blind episode on Bandsplain. I don't know if either of you are Third Eye Blind fans, but very recently I have become very much obsessed with them. Third Eye Blind is a little bit before my time. I mean, I'm pretty young, but I would just adore a Bandsplain episode. And if you need like an economic incentive, I swear to God, I will listen to that episode on repeat for maybe a week. Like I will make up 75% of the listening hours on that episode. So don't even worry about the money. I will be here for you. And um, in that same vein, I adore Bandsplain. I look forward to it every Thursday. It's like the show that I listen to when I'm at work. I just, I love it so much. And I thank you both and everybody else involved in the production of Bandsplain. I thank you for all of the work that you do because it is just truly such a fun show. Neha, thank you. Love your energy. Love your energy. If you were a real one and you wanted to economically incentivize us, we could tell you our Venmos. Oh my God. I'm obviously <laughs> She is but a child. Send me $12 and I will <laughs> consider doing Third Eye No, we're definitely going to do Third Eye Blind. I fucking love, anyone who knows me knows I fucking love Third Eye Blind. I am a stan. I went to the show where they played the self-titled album in its entirety at the Greek theater a couple of years ago. And I did sob full tears streaming down the face. Absolute gorgeous. That album is perfect. And they have several other bangers as well. So don't worry, that's on the horizon. There were so many questions in that that I don't remember the rest of them. The memory of a goldfish. It was how have our 
astrological signs influenced our musical taste and then the production of the episodes? Okay, great question. I have no idea how my astrological sign has affected my musical tastes. I could tell you how my Enneagram has affected my musical taste. Oh, because I could say I'm an- how your astrology has affected your music taste. Okay, well, well, you can take that after this. I'm just going to let you guys know that I am an Enneagram 4, which is the tortured romantic, um, tortured artist, the poet. And thusly, of course, I like the music that is the music of tortured artistic poets. I'm a 7, the enthusiast. And that just <laughs> describes me. Literally perfect. Yeah. Literally perfect. Um, I think because you are a Taurus, you have this really specific strain of like comfort music. That's true. And I think that like the Dave Matthews counting crows, goo goo dolls, like all 90s music is comfort music to me because it, I associate it with a time that I felt uh, less anxiety and more safety because A, I was younger and B, um, we didn't have the internet in the way that we have now. And so my brain was less um, fractured and splintered and feeble and addled with disease. (laughs) So I go there to seek the comfort of a different time. Um, So that makes a lot of sense. Um, And producer Dylan, what about you and your Virgo-ness? Um, my, like, I guess my grand theory is like, I love country and I, all the other genres I love, um, when they get influenced or steer towards country, I get happy. Um, that kind of seems like a Virgo thing. Like Virgo's like a, I don't know, three chords in the truth. Virgo just kind of likes, oh my God, even an exercise ball. Yeah. So I keep my core tight. (laughs) Yossi's just like bobbing up and down in the little window. <laughs> uh, I don't That's know. Right. I, just... pod- I podcast from an exercise ball. What of it? <laughs> Multitasking. Um, I don't know. It kind of just seems like a Virgo thing to me, but uh, both. I would think Virgos would like like math rock. I hate math rock. Well, that's I would that's what I would think Virgos would like because they like or like Radiohead or things I that are very like I don't like Radiohead and well, I'm don't just, talk to I'm me telling about it. you what Virgos by nature I think would like. Well, okay, so I'm like a Virgo double cancer and so is Jessica Hopper and then we realized that a bunch of other specifically women in music media or who make music are Virgo double cancers. So, I think there's like something there. I think it's because Virgo is the editor and then like cancer is nostalgic and emotional. Totally. Combine those and that's someone who wants to write about music. Yeah, totally. And I'm a double Taurus with an Aries moon um, like Rihanna has an Aries moon, just so you guys know. That's That's my connection with Rihanna and that's what makes me impulsive and mentally ill. Um, in terms of our working, uh, situation, the same applies, um, impulsive and mentally ill, um, producer Dylan organized and insubordinate. I have to be, I have, it's like not even people think Virgos like to be organized cause they like it. I don't like it. Everything will just fall apart and drift off into the ether if I don't be a Virgo about stuff. Not me. I just literally am like flying by the seat of my goddamn pants all the time. (laughs) We are foils. I like cannot do it. (laughs) So I have to do the other thing. Incredibly productive and high achieving, I must say, for for my methodology. It's crazy. (laughs) Like if I applied even one modicum of structure to, I would be unstoppable. Or 
you're it would be over for you hoes is what I'm saying. Or that's just how you thrive is like without the structure. That's true. All right. Moving on. Oh, oh next question from Bobby our best Harfils. our best show friend and my real life best friend, Rob Harvilla, who, by the way, has started a new gorgeous Instagram account and you should go give him a little follow. It is at Rob Harvilla posting some absolute fire content. There's even a selfie on there. All right. Hit it, Bob. Hello, Dylan and Yasi. My name is Rob. I run Band Palooza, the annual fan conference and golf tournament held in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You have not returned any of the hundreds of emails I have sent you about this event, but I take no offense. My question is for Yasi. Who is your least favorite artist that you've done an episode of Band Splain on? And because I just assume that's fish. Is there an artist that you really didn't like? I thought you didn't like when you started researching, but you came over the course of the episode to really like them. It really changed your mind about them. Or did it work the other way? Someone you thought you liked when you started, but you had to listen to them so much you got sick of them and you don't want to think about them ever again. Which episode of this show changed your mind about the artist in question the most in either direction? We hope to see you in Michigan in 2023. Thank you for your time. One of my number one favorite things about Robert Harvilla is how weary he always sounds, even though by his own free will and volition, he did send in this question. It does sound like someone has a gun to his head and he's just like, why must I be asking this question? It just tickles me for some reason. <laughs> it really delights me. Yes. To answer your question, the my least favorite artist that we have done is Fish. Welcome, this is a farmhouse. That is not to malign the band, apologies to the donut print community. I, of all people, understand what it is like to um, stand an artist that other people uh, do not care for and find cringe, David Matthews, for example. So I'm with you spiritually. I'm just not with you in any sense in which I would listen to the music or go to the show. But I have absolutely appreciate learning about it. For the second part of the question, I don't, I mean, I don't think I've had like my mind super changed about music, but I will say that there were like several instances where learning so much more about the artist gave me such a deeper and greater appreciation. Like one example was obviously Insane Clown Posse. because I just didn't know how beautiful their commitment was to like their community and, you know, what a haven it was for people. And honestly, even Nine Inch Nails, which I've always been a fan, but I'd never really taken the time to do like a super, super deep dive into like all of the albums and the backstory and Trent Reznor's like process and artistry. And it really like, I think I walked away from that episode really holding Nine Inch Nails in, in such like a greater esteem because of everything I've learned. Doesn't it make you feel better? That usually happens with almost every episode, but those are two that really stick out to me. And Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses worked on me in, in the sense that I hope all of these episodes work on people who listen to this show, which is like, I knew some 
songs. I had listened to Use Your Illusion a bunch when I was a kid, the Axl Rose, et cetera, slash Top Hat. But like getting really deep in the weeds of it, I had such a greater appreciation for them as musicians, as like, you know, what their influences were, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's my answer. Bobby Harbills. Thank you for asking. We'll see you in Michigan at the Palooza. Next question. Hi, Yasi. I too am from Torrance and I want to know where you saw shows coming up. Was it uh, Knights of Columbus and we're down the beach? Manhattan Beach Teen Center, etc. Uh, much love to Go Boy Records. All right. Bye. That man's name was Steven. Thank you, Steven. Shout out Torrance, my hometown. Hometown of um, many great people like Joyce Manor. I moved away from Torrance when I was about 15 years old um, to Singapore. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. So largely all the shows I saw were at house parties. Um, a lot of bands in my time, uh, played shows at house parties, uh, including the very slept on, um, briefly existing Deviates, which were an amazing punk band from Torrance, who I saw play a lot at house shows. But so, no, I did not go to those places. I did often go to El Burrito Jr., which if you know, you fucking know. And if you're ever in Torrance, babe, drop by the El Burrito Jr. It's on PCH. Best burritos. Next question from Taylor. Hi, Yossi and Dylan. I was curious to get your thoughts on the current indie rock scene. There is a ton of prolific female singer-songwriters. Uh, I was wondering if you had any favorite artists or albums or songs. Personally, I can't get enough of Big Thief. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Producer Dylan, why don't you why don't you take it away on this one to begin with? You're um, definitely more in touch with... Um, contemporary music than I am, although I do have some thoughts. Sure. I was, I was reflecting on this because I'm kind of like, what scene, Taylor? Like we live in a seamless time. Uh, and I think there's like an indie rock industry. And if there are any cool scenes anywhere that aren't just like revolving around one single band, I would love, like sincerely love to know about them. <laughs> Taylor, do you see what I have to fucking deal with? Do you see this? Just splitting the hairs of your question, not even giving you the good faith benefit of the doubt, like linguistic assault, syntax. Babe, just answer the question. <laughs> Poor Taylor. Simply had an earnest question. <laughs> That's my earnest answer. <laughs> I think he's just asking what bands do you like right now? <laughs> well, my two notes were one, I think indie rock needs more like outward ambition and more like, like callous will to be famous. Like I'm really sick of this kind of like humble, like, oh, shucks, like, guess I'm famous now when you have like a powerful PR team and stuff and you become a big indie rock band. Um, I really love, like we saw Turnstile the other night. And you like made a comment where you're like, oh, they're trying to be famous from like a few specific moves they made with their music. And I was like, yeah, exactly. That's so sick. Like they have the balls to want to try to do it. And I also think this band Enumclaw, I know they like the show. So what's up Enumclaw? Their like tagline is 
best band since Oasis. I think that's so sick. Like, I think bands, indie rock bands need to be like more outwardly ambitious. And then the other thing, I talk about this with my friend Malene all the time. We try to start stuff. I don't really have that much sway in the indie rock community, but I think indie rock needs more beef. Like, I think we live in a beefless time and it would create more of a sense of it, that there is a scene if we had more beef. Producer John is an agent of chaos. <laughs> and what I heard here was she is a proponent of fights, cutthroat capitalism. Yeah, everyone's and- gone to therapy too much and we need to reel it back and just be a little bit catty again. Okay, well, thank you for your input, Producer John, <laughs> on the uh, state of the sad state of indie rock. That was literally the question. What are your thoughts on the current indie rock scene? Do we have any favorite artists or albums? He loves Big Thief. That's a good album. Those are producer Dylan's thoughts. Um, as you might guess, I'm perhaps not as in touch with current music as I should or could be. I do spend 95% of my time listening to whatever it is we're doing on the show, which doesn't leave a whole lot of time for music discovery. Um, As producer Dylan said, we did go see Turnstile the other night. I am late to Turnstile and I'm happy. I'm not the kind of person who can't admit when I'm late to something. Um, I absolutely fucking loved it, was blown away. it's giving Red Hot Chili Peppers, it's giving 311, but like way more hardcore, all all three things that I absolutely love um, in one just charismatic, fucking amazing package. I am a newly minted turnstile stand. So I really love, I think what they're doing. I loved remembering that there can be bands that you need to see live to fully understand what they do. You really gotta see it live to get it. Yeah, which I didn't think was a thing anymore in the age of streaming and stuff. So I'm really glad that it was. So big Turnstile fan now. I do love the sad girl singer-songwriter milieu. Like, you know, soccer mommy. Fucking snail mail. That snail mail record's really good. Phoebe, Mitski, mm-hmm. Japanese Brekkies, like, you know, put it in my, put it in my arm veins. It's genuinely very cool that that's like probably the biggest thing going on in indie rock right now. It's like, we're all, we're all so sad. Um, but yeah, I, I, I haven't listened to much of it recently, um, but that's always something I really like. I've been listening a lot when I have the free time to the new Sasami record. I think it's really interesting. She's sort of doing like a metal type thing, but it's not exactly that. Um, I don't know how to really uh, describe it, but I think it's really cool what she's doing. It's definitely like a harder music. Um, And it's been, it's brought me just joy to listen to it because it's like sort of confounding. The new girl pool sounds incredible and like watching their sound evolve is super cool. Like that's genuinely one of the most interesting things I think going on. I fear my innocence. I remember how it goes. 
Yeah, shout out Girlpool. Great, great band. That band Wednesday is pretty good. I like their last album. I like that band Of Love, if that's how you say it, O-V-L-O-V. Young Gov, if you kind of like the power pop. Oh yeah, shout out Young Gov. Shout out Ben. We love Ben. Formerly a fucked up. Yeah, fucked up rules. Ben is awesome. Very talented. Yes. To echo producer Dylan's thing, like scene is a little not happening. There's a landscape, but not a scene. I just miss the scene. Yeah. I really love nice. That's an LA band. And I, I asked if you like hardcore, or like oh, yeah, sort of like intense music. Um, nice is very good. Um, check it out. They're also a band I think that is very good live. If there's a cool scene in your town, let me know. Yeah, tell us about <laughs> I it. I really want to know. I want hope in this world. Honestly, if there's like cool contemporary artists that you know about, dude, like, yeah, drop us come, a line. Come tell us, especially drop us a line. Guitars, I love those. I'm your, you know, aging parent who needs to be put on. Um. Okay. Next question from William. Hi, Yasi and producer Dylan. My name is Bill. I have two questions. I hope you indulge both of them. Uh, my first question comes out of your episode on Joni Mitchell, uh, which isn't really aligned with the band's plan storytelling method any longer, but it's a really great episode. Um, at the end, Jessica Hopper communicates her struggles reconciling Joni's earlier work with her works from uh, Jaira on. Uh, because of the troubling take that Joni has on race and blackface. Uh, that's extremely valid, but it also meant that there's a big chunk of her career that went unexplored in her episode. Uh, you know, considering that she made a lot of albums through the 80s and 90s, and she won a Grammy in 1994 for Tribulant Indigo, Indigo, there was still a lot to explore. Um, even if it wasn't a positive assessment, you know, I, if, it, if she deserved to be slammed, then I would love to hear you slam her. Um, uh, a similar kind of thing happened on the REM episode where you decided not to dig too much into the post Bill Berry catalog. Uh, I would have been interested to hear you carve that stuff up too. So all that leads into the first question, which is how do you decide where to stop critiquing artists who have longer careers? Uh, secondly, uh, you clearly spent a great deal of time reviewing critical assessments of the artists and their albums uh, to the point that you really sound highly vexed by the research process. Is there any chance that you might be able to share annotations of the text you review for each episode? Thank you very much. Bill, what's up, babe? Okay. First and foremost, just want to be very clear. Um, we did not skip over the problematic albums or post-problematic Joni albums because we didn't want to talk about them. This was, this go, kind of goes in line with the um, older episode uh, situation where in the interest of time, because at that time we were trying to keep our episodes within like an hour or 90 minutes, we made concessions around uh, which parts of discographies to cover. And we often let the guests choose that. So I don't 
absolutely do not believe in not talking about that stuff. I think we should always talk about it. I think it it doesn't serve anybody to pretend things like that never happened. This extends to cancellations for sexual assault, all of this stuff. Like I think it needs to be talked about and brought to the surface and just like dealt with head on because uh, just erasing people or erasing parts of careers isn't helpful. But I just want to be clear that that's not what we were trying to do there, even if that's what it seemed like. Um, same kind of thing for the REM thing. Like we were still really pushing to try to keep within constraints of time. Then the REM episode, I think at that time, at the point was our, our longest episode yet. And it was three hours long. Um, and we just didn't see a way forward Um to go into all the rest of the catalog. But if you'll direct your attention to perhaps like the Weezer episode in which we did talk about each and every 15 album that they put out and it's five hours long, like to producer Dylan's dismay and chagrin, uh, I am a completist and I (laughs) want to talk about every single release because I think it's important whether or not uh, people like or... uh, you know, listen to later releases. I think the arc of the career is important to be talked about. So that's my answer to that question. Am I highly vexed by the research process? I wouldn't say I'm highly vexed. I would just say that um, the time constraint makes it stressful is the only thing. I actually really enjoy the research process. It's the funnest part because I get to learn and I unearth a lot of stuff. It's just a lot to do in a short amount of time. So sometimes I do get a little kerfuffled bit. I'm only human. I take my ashkawanda and I do my best. I meditate and I do my yoga. Sometimes I get a little, a little riled up. Um, and the answer is no, I don't want to share my Google Docs with you guys because you don't want to see it. You don't want to be in there. The Google Doc is where dreams go to die. <laughs> for what it's worth, they they average between 40 and 60 pages. And that's every week. Just to give some context <laughs> of the extensiveness. But I hear you. And I think we could do I think we could do a better job of putting more links in the show notes just out to like books and documentaries. Like a bi- bibliography kind of thing. Yeah. So I think maybe we can. Producer Dylan, that's right. More work for you, babe. Going forward, thanks, we can try Bill. and do that. Yeah, thanks all. If anyone, uh, there was that one guy who wanted a link to like an article or the journalist's name or something. Yeah, if you email us, often Producer Dylan will dig around in the Google Doc and write back to you. So yeah. happy to provide. There's a lot of stuff that like we get from um, like archives that you have to pay for, like rocks back pages and stuff like that. But um, totally. Yeah. Okay, last question from JC. What do you mean when you say the feminism has left your body long ago? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Gorgeous question, JC. Thank you for asking. Um, First of all, it's a reference to a meme. But like, yeah, I'll answer this question seriously. Uh, I think uh, in reaction to the yossification of feminism, the girl bossification, the capitalism, the sell it on a fucking pink pussy hat and market it and let's go Hillary Clinton uh, feminism. That feminism left my body long ago. I don't want to be associated with it. (laughs) And I would like someone to come take care of me. You know what? Yeah. Can I take care of myself? Sure. Do I always want to? No. Producer Dylan is simply looking at me unblinking. (laughs) That's all I got for you, babe. The feminism (laughs) has left my body. If anyone wants to come be my husband or Alternatively, 
my three husbands <laughs> would love to come and make our family band and tour the whole country and take care of me <laughs> with their acoustic guitars. I am happy to oblige. Speaking of leaving your body long ago, <laughs> me, I've left. <laughs> You're not invited in the family band. I just want to be clear about that. This is just me and my four husbands. And then I don't have to podcast anymore. And that is what I mean. But you have three husbands to feed. <laughs> three starving musician husbands. Yeah, my starving musician husbands, David Matthews. Yeah. <laughs> David Matthews will feed us all. I think that about does it for this edition of the Listener Mailbag. Thanks, listeners. I hope you all got what you came here for. Thoughtful questions. I'm extremely congested with allergies. Spring is sprung. Hope is in the air. I'm just trying to end on a positive note. There's a time to end. There's a time to stop and we're at it now. (laughs) Come back next week for a new episode of Bandsplain. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe for more episodes of Bandsplain only on Spotify. Bandsplain is a Spotify original show. This episode was produced by producer Dylan, a.k.a. Dylan Tupper Rupert, and edited by Cheryl Crosby, with help from Casey Simonson, Shannon Cornett, Tari Miller, and Kelly Kyle. Executive producers for Bandsplain are me, Yasi Salek, and Gina Dalbach. Our gorgeous and catchy theme song was composed and performed by Bethany Cosentino and Jennifer Clavin, and graciously recorded by Carlos De La Garza in Los Angeles, California. Special thanks to Robert Adler, Leah Edwards, David McDonough, Dana Meyerson, Jessica Hopper, and Turnstyle. I love you, babe. Come back every Thursday for a new episode of Bandsplain, only on Spotify. The REM episode's four hours long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Actually, maybe it's only three hours.